City have another chance. What's going on, Atlanta City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Rushnell, and today we will be discussing the 3-0 win over FC Cincinnati at home. Our first win of the season. Um, pretty pretty standard, pretty easy win. Um, Cincinnati will probably, and by probably, I mean definitely, will be the worst team we face this season. So to get a nice, easy 3-0 win, uh, you know, that's definitely something that you expect out of the team. Um, but it also makes it a little difficult to analyze the game. Um, but look, team looked good. They put the ball in the back of the net three times, and it was a fun outing for everyone. So we're definitely still going to talk about it, still going to analyze it. But before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors. Uh, first up is Lose Bonsai, run by OC Twitter's Jonathan Ridner. Lose Bonsai offers the finest quality bonsai trees and products at the lowest possible prices. Speaking of prices, Lose Bonsai is currently offering 15% off to all Orlando City SC supporters. 15% off will go towards the Orlando City Foundation. All you have to do is enter the code GOCITY in all caps at checkout, and a 15% discount will be added to your order. Website is Lose Bonsai, L-O-U-S, Bonsai.biz. We've also got Cappy's subs. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappyssubsfl.com. All one word, located at 501 North Orlando Avenue. In Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park, someone is a little bit too close to their mic. (laughs) Taking a deep breath right into it. But um, I think that someone (laughs) is the next person I'm going to shout out. And that is, of course, Daniel at Evergreen Real Estate Services. Um, I'm only going to do this once because he doesn't really want me to. But Daniel helped me buy a house in Orlando. He was my agent. He was absolutely amazing. Uh, He left no stone unturned. Uh, He was the one who found the house that me and my girlfriend are moving into. Uh, He gave me amazing advice every step of the way uh, and really helped make the process a lot easier than it is for a lot of people. So Daniel, I thank you for that. If anyone is thinking about buying or selling or anything refinancing anything just go ahead and give daniel a call for some advice and maybe he can help you out in the long run um so thank you daniel uh you can dm him on twitter i'm not going to give his phone number out but uh yeah daniel how are you doing today that was lovely gavin uh listen that thousand dollars we talked about i'll drop that off in that brown paper bag okay i mean you already okay yep (laughs) <laughs> Let me keep my mouth shut, but sounds good. Um, <laughs> I'm good. Adam, how are you doing? Uh, my hands don't work as per usual trying to unmute my mic, but uh, I'm doing Stand good. Here. I uh, I actually just moved also, so the Lions Bog crew is uh, having fun packing and unpacking and all that stuff, you know? Um, yeah, other, other than that, um, I was technically off today, which means I spent the day you know, packing, unpacking, getting stuff, but at least I didn't have to work today, so. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, you still work, but you know. We are without Chase today. Um, Just, you know, with all our schedules, it's impossible to get everybody together at one time, but let's dive into this game, and I guess we should start with lineup, and Daniel, I'm going to start with you because this is your first time on the pod this season um so welcome back in general i put out a post pre-game 
regarding the fans' reaction to Tesho Akindele starting the game. Mm -hmm. And now, Adam can attest to this. I will be the first person to admit I didn't want him to start the game. I didn't. Um, uh, I said you actually didn't think he would start. I didn't think he would start. I said I didn't want him to start. I didn't think this was the game for him. I said it on the podcast, but that was out of a place of analysis. Um, clearly, I was wrong. But that being said, I got really, really, really cheesed off with our fan base. I was, I was pissed looking through some of the replies on Twitter, on Instagram. Just, why is Tesho in there? Tesho, Tesho's trash. He's awful. Like, can't wait for him to miss a sitter. Just, like, horrible, just, like, abuse over the selection of a player who has been competent for us. You know, hasn't been amazing. Hasn't been horrible, though. He's been competent. And, you know, he goes in and, what was it, 33, 34 seconds into the game, scores the fastest goal in our history. Like Official time is 33 seconds. 33 seconds. All right. So... You know, obviously the timing of the goal makes my tweet look better, but, you know, a goal is a goal is a goal. And he gets it from hard work, from from everything that we always talk about about him. Pressing forward, defensively minded, um, and not to mention the finish is just gorgeous. So I don't, did, I don't know if you saw it. I believe you did, but just do you have any comments on the the abuse that you saw some from some people online and and um, maybe how we sh as a supporters group should go supporters group as a supporters as being supporters. How should we move forward to better support our players and not abuse them? Well, I'll be quite honest with you. <clears throat> I think this year has seen like a bit of a spike in abuse towards people in general. Um, I had a call on my follow list this past few weeks. I, I, I went through it and I, I unfollowed a ton of people. I was one of those people that used to follow pretty much most Orlando fans, most Leeds fans, most you know other things, you know, like you do. And, I mean, the negativity I've seen from the Orlando fan base, like particularly towards uh, Barnsley, Barnsley fans, English football in general, over the Daldike situation, started my, you know, cool so to speak so i didn't see a lot of those comments about tesho you know missing sitters or people wanting him to miss but my first question is if you want one of your strikers to miss an open goal then uh, why are you even bothering supporting the team because rightly or wrongly you know you you should want the team to score you should want the team to win if you're willing someone to do to not do that then what, what on earth are you doing supporting the team like that's what my answer to that question is and I don't think I'll ever get an answer to that question I've just posed but even you know like I've had my my issues with some of our players I mean I've never been a, a Dom Dwyer mark for instance but to sit there and say oh Dom I want you to fail just so that I can be vindicated in my hatred of you which is by the way quite irrational and indicative that I have no other hobby other than to um, abuse people online that says more about the people saying it than it does about the player. Um, as for Tesho Akindeli, he's a, he's a very important player. He is pound for pound, or dollar for dollar, as we'll, we'll say. Uh, been great value for the squad over the past couple of years. I think his return has been good for somebody is what, 150000 a year or so. So he's, he's a pretty low-impact player in terms of the cap, and he's had quite a good contribution. And um, 
the system that Oscar likes to play needs a Tasho Akindeli to work. And of course, yeah, we might need another player that's an upgrade on Tasho, but you know, he's the one playing. You give him your support. You know, he's he's needed more than more than any other. I'm looking at our squad now and AS is not a fit for that role. Neither is Benji. And then after that we've just got like six wingers involved. So he's really the only man that could have played, in my opinion. And, I, and I'll respectfully, you know, sort of disagree with you on that, Gav, because I think I can see why you you may be wanting somebody else. But on the same token, um, I think he's just a good fit for the system. And you know, I was happy for him to get the goal, especially right out the door like he did. He made his own goal. He pressed the ball, and his finish was expertly taken. It's a good finish. I think people are underrating it because it's a one v one off of a giveaway. But he he picks the mm-hmm. one spot in the goal where the goalie can't reach it. Exactly. Bottom right exactly. corner. And that's not easy to do. There are plenty of strikers that hit that just wide, hit it off the post, if hit it straight a, at the goalkeeper. If you're a striker and you play at any level above, it's let's say, age 12 upwards, and you start playing with full-size goals as a kid or as a player, you know, like I can attest to this. I know you can, Gavin. And, and you know... Scoring goals is hard, even if it's just one-on-one versus a goalkeeper. Um, that keeper did a good job of making himself big, and like you said, Tesho um, managed to find a way past him. And he probably was not expecting that chance as early as he did, so I would argue that he had a little more pressure on him to put that away immediately. He dealt with it very well, and you know he deserves your support. For me, when you quantify a player's contribution to the team, I... Of course, goals and assists and defensive clearances and penalty saves, they're all important, but I don't think you should really ever do, ever boo a player or will them to to, um, to fail unless they just don't work hard enough for the team. And I don't think there's very many players out there in the world that deserve that type of abuse. Um, Tesho's definitely not on that list. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a good stand-up guy. He's a very smart man. You know, he's going to do well with himself and he's um, he's earned all his good fortune in Orlando. So I don't understand I don't understand the abuse. And again, I referenced the Barnsley, the DK, the, the comments towards the English football and the vitriolic abuse that has gone in that direction this past couple of months. And I'm quite ashamed of the base as a whole, to be honest. Yeah, and, and you know, point blank period, Tesho, or the fan base is going to have to get used to Tesho Akindele. Um, well, they should be already. He's been there I long mean, enough. I mean, he's been here long enough, but... And, and Adam, I, I will let you in on this conversation, but Pato is injured. He just had knee surgery. He will be out for a month and a half to two months, and then he has to go through a, a, a coming back period of rehab and making sure that he's not going to re-injure himself and getting up to match fitness. So we are not seeing Pato until later on in the season, two months away. So... That's if we're lucky. I mean, that's, that's Tesho. That's, yeah, I think it's three months away. If you want my opinion, it, it very well could be. Um, just depends on how many painkillers they give him if they want to start playing him soon. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, so is he a racehorse? Really... Like they they do that to racehorses. Like they give him all these painkillers and crap, you know, and then you end up flogging the poor thing, and then you end up with a worse player than before. I mean, they need to just give him the time he needs. And obviously, we're not even going to get into the striker discussion, at least not right now. But it would sure be nice to have that other established option in the squad right now so that we don't have to worry much. 
Well, I mean, that's exactly where I was going, actually, Daniel. All right, so, um, I was going to ask Adam about the, the striker situation. Akindele, IS, mm-hmm. Benji, DK coming back at the end of May, um, possibly. So, <laughs> we don't even more, know if he's going to play. So more, the the longer that this DK situation goes on, yes, it's been reported that we've had offers and they reach a certain level. And there's even like, honestly, the like that bite kick probably added another $5 million onto his value. The more that we hear about DK and the longer it drags on, the more I think there's a chance he actually plays for Orlando City again. Is anyone else getting that feeling? I, I feel like I'm crazy saying that. I don't think he's coming back, Adam. I don't honestly. I still don't. If I had to put money on it, I would say he never puts on purple again. But I don't think that I don't think it's a zero percent chance. And I don't know, it might be a loan back even, which would be fantastic. Imagine if we sold him for twenty mil and then got a loan back for this season. That'd be incredible. That's but like anyway, best case scenario, yeah. Right? That would be great. Um anyway, so DK's one potential solution there. Here, well, first of all, Tesho's not bad. And I know so I clown on Tesho a little bit, you know, in previous episode of Majix, oh, he has pictures of Oscar Preo or whatever. Which is kind of like the the poking fun at him that 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 people like to to say around the, the Orlando City community. Yeah, I got but, pictures of Oscar as well. You didn't want to go set me. <laughs> well, obviously, you have a very good time with those pictures, Daniel. But Listen, uh, I'm, I love my South American coaches, you know. <laughs> but like, th- there's a reason that Oscar Preha trusts him, and Daniel is spot on. Like, if you're an Orlando City supporter and you're gonna you're gonna hope that one of our players does poorly because someone else will get a shot in the lineup, like, what are you doing? Come on, man or woman, or anyone, come on. What are we doing here to uh, borrow Taylor Twelman's uh, famous rant? It it really doesn't make sense to me to, to hope that a pl- player that we've seen be competent in the past, and I think competent is a very good word for it, to hope that he performs poorly when, you know, steady performance is exactly the reason that he keeps getting picked for the lineup. And he's not a bad finisher. He's not a great finisher, but he's not a bad finisher. Um, you know, he's where he needs to be. Uh, I, I think Eddie said it on Lions Den. Like, whatever you thought Dom Dwyer pressed like, Tesho actually presses like. Like, people love to, to always say, because Dom Dwyer ran a lot. Like, oh, he's annoying to the defenders and he presses so much. Like, no, te- that's actually what Tesho does. So Tesho's not a bad option. He's just not exciting. Now... The exciting options are either Benji or Ayas, depending on how you feel about both of those players. Benji, we know, is an excellent finisher. He's super fast. He's getting better technically on the ball and, and with his passing by the day. It seems that Oscar Pereira likes him better at winger, though, but we know he's capable of playing striker, and he sometimes shifts between those positions in a match. It's very possible that we see Benji up top in midweek games, Uh if the situation calls for a different tactics than Tesho, so if it calls for more pace or more just of a direct style of play, Benji might see it. There's also Mateus Ayas. So the thing about Ayas that I don't get is why we haven't seen him more. And there are two theories behind that. One, just the situation hasn't called for it, and it's just kind of how the cookie crumbled. Or two, he's not that good. You know, it's got to be one of those two things. And... 
could it not be, sorry to cut you off, could it not okay. be that Pareja just has favorites, which is something we've heard before? It could be that, but then that kind of falls into the first. You know, that something's got to happen for Ayas to, to break in the lineup, apparently. And I, I, I don't see us spending any, uh, the summer window is coming up. I don't see us spending big money on a striker, which especially with Pato potentially returning in a couple months, which is what it would take to basically have someone coming in and immediately unseat Tasho. I don't think we're spending much more than we spent on IS. So IS is the player that people are like, okay, if we want to bring in another striker to, to kind of shore that up, that would be a player like IS. That would be like a bargain from a big league that back up, you know, on loan a bunch. You know, but has some decent tape at some lower divisions. That's the kind of player that we, we're going to bring in. That's not a DP. So, I I mean, we've re- rehashed this so many times, but Tesho's looking like, you know, the, the most comfortable option at the moment. And if you can get Nani playing like the way he is and Mauricio Pereira on a roll and Chris Mueller start finding them back in the net and get Vanderwater integrated and have the midfield playing like it is, those goals are, and Tesho's going to knock in a few of them. Those goals are going to come. Tesho's not going to stand in the way of that. So I don't see a huge problem with him holding down the fort, um, even if DK doesn't come back. Really. Yeah. Um, well said. Let's move on a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I actually want to focus on Chris Mueller. Um, three games in, I mean, maybe it's. Uh, a little bit harsh to say, but he doesn't have a goal this season yet. Um, don't think he has an assist either. And he's playing decent. You know, he's not been horrible. Um, he hasn't been lights out insanely good either, though. He's just kind of coasting along to start the year. And this is something we talked about um, in the offseason, possibly looking at selling him. Um, uh, uh, editorial note, I don't know if it counted officially as an assist, but he was heavily involved in the buildup of the Nani back heel. Was he? Yeah, he was. Okay. I think he was either the second or first guy to touch it before the Nani back kill. Okay. Um, was he the one that did like the one, two with Smith? Yeah. Something like that. Okay. I, I, that, or he put the shot on that, like rebounded for Nani's back. Heel. Either way, he heavily contributed to that goal. Okay. I mean, okay, that's fair. Um, but that being said, Mueller is somebody that we thought, his value was at his all-time high at the end of last season, especially at the end of his U.S. men's national team uh, game where he got like two goals and basically two assists, even though he was given one. So, Daniel, what are your thoughts on Chris Mueller's start to the season and possible decline in maybe not ability but numbers and how that might affect his possible transfer to Europe over the next couple seasons or you know the next summer window um <clears throat> I, th- I think um i mean he's got about his time season's still young you know it's it's not um you know he's still got plenty of time to grow into it but you know i've often thought in, in mls just with the dynamics of this league and, and the way younger players tend to develop there's going to be a certain time when most young players peak and I think I probably said it last year that I thought he had peaked last year with his output. And that if you were looking at a sale, then that would have been the sort of the time to do it. Like, I would have done it this last winter, to be honest. I agree. Like, DK was not the person I thought was going to get the the offers right away. 
I mean, I, I, I always thought DK was good, but I thought, you know, he's a bit raw, like he'll still spend another year back here. So when he's moved to Barnsley, he came up, I was like, I was like trying to make sure it wasn't April Fool's Day or something <laughs> in January. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the point of the matter is, DK got his move, Mueller didn't. I think Mueller had some links to the Eredivisie, I think, um, with Groningen, I think it was, was one of the teams. Yeah, and then like one in Belgium, I think, as well. I mean... I like Mueller. I, you know, I rate him, you know, as a person. I like him as a player. I think he's a very good influence in Orlando. But I think he did peak last year, and he and he kind of whittled away like towards the end. And I was thinking in my mind, like, you know, if the club gets a decent offer, a couple of million or so for him, with him being in the sort of towards the end of his contract, you know, it wouldn't have been the worst idea to to consider it, especially with some kind of sell-on clause. And and, and then to you think look at with the, how many. I think you're about to say this. Look at how many wingers we have. About to say that, yeah. yeah. I, I uh, we spent too much time looking for houses. Like you now know what I'm thinking. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but look, yeah, you're right. But yeah, we you, you bring in. We didn't just bring in two squad players. We brought in a very highly rated player from 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 the Dutch league, and we brought in. Um, you know, we brought in Alvarado, who's an international cap, I believe. So yeah, you know, you've gotten two more players there that. You know, you would look at objectively and say, yeah, these guys could certainly make a breakthrough. And, you know, Vanderwater didn't didn't come here to, to not get his feet wet. You know what I mean? He's, he's here to play, you know. And it's like, well, maybe that, that would have been the time to sell Mueller for me, like, and, and bring those guys in and then have a little bit of money left over and possibly solve our striker problem that we have right now. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's neither here nor there, but I feel like... He said he's he's going to have to put up some good performances to match those numbers last year, and those numbers last year were, were in whatever anyone wants to say. Those were in different circumstances. They were not in arm's length circumstances the whole time. You, you know, so I just felt you know this, that would have been the time to to make that move for him. Um, I hope he I hope he performs. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a shot. You know, in the more central position. I've said that before, but we'll see what he does. Yeah, and you know, you know my feelings on it. I think we should have sold him over mm-hmm. over the transfer window. I think again, just like we said, he was at the peak of his of his value. He yeah. was scoring goals for the national team. He was looking real good, and I'm not saying he's looking horrible, but he had just had a good season. Um, goes to the national team, scores a couple good goals. Eyes are on him. Take a bid, like get him, get him, get him out, get some money in. You got Vanderwater in for less than a million dollars. Uh, replace him with Vanderwater, and then you have Benji as well, and then Is is played on the wings as well. I mean, you have all these options. Yeah, shove Nani out to the right for crying out loud. He can do that. I put Alvarado on the left. I mean, I mean. It just doesn't make sense to me with the wealth of attacking options. You know, maybe just a bit, a full bid didn't come in, or maybe we had our, our numbers too high. Like we don't know the situation, but I feel like he had we had the opportunity to sell him on. Now he could go on and have an amazing season again and be really impactful and yada yada yada. We go on and win a trophy, and he's a big part of that. Like, yep, but. I don't know. If we uh, were to do that, do you think, Adam, I was about to ask you, do you think that would increase his value at all? I mean, 
players. He's another winning, year older. Okay. Players from winning teams generally have their value increased, right? Like if I just say, or, or not even winning teams, like perceived big clubs. If I say we're getting a, a winger from River Plate, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I just made this person up on the spot in my head, but I said winger from River Plate and you're like, ooh, right? <laughs> yeah. winning, winning teams, players get more money. That's just how th- things work. I think you're y'all are missing before I dive into that. I think y'all are missing something with regards to our current squad composition and Chris Mueller. Actually, two things. One is so actually against Cincy, he almost had a goal. It was a last second, actually brilliant block by the defender. Otherwise, he would have had a surefire goal, and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Second, and also to that or that first point. Um, He's played combination play well like he normally does. He looks comfortable in the squad with Juan. He's tracking back well. Similar to Tesho almost. And I know I know Chris is more exciting than Tesho and has a higher ceiling, but like he does all the little things well and he's a very, very good team player. And that's why I'm not as disappointed with his play so far as as other people are, even though we haven't seen like the stat sheet output yet. But I I think Chris has been fine, honestly. I don't really see anything. I don't. And see I don't disagree with the that. level. I don't see a dip in his level of play or how he looks on the field from last season. And of course, we were going to see some regression in the mean because he was scoring at a crazy rate. So I think he's fine, honestly. And any any scouting department worth their salt is going to know that rate was unsustainable, and they're going to look at the player anyway. So honestly, for for Chris himself in going to a place that is a good fit for him, he's probably still fine, which is something that I do care about. I want our players to go on and have success elsewhere. It looks good for the club. It's good for them personally. It's just, you know, everybody feels good. The second thing about our current squad composition is we have two healthy fullbacks. If one of them goes down, Chris Mueller's playing fullback or wingback probably, but he is. <laughs> Did y'all think about that? It's either him or Robin Janssen, and Robin Janssen's injured. So I think that they took Scott to the squad, especially out of that um, after uh, our uh, misconduct incident with that one guy mm-hmm. who shall not be named. Mm-hmm. I think they took Scott to the squad and said, we don't have a lot of depth here. If uh, Juan or Smith go down, we're kind of screwed. We're going to need someone to play wing back. The only other person on the roster who could conceivably play wingback, other than maybe one of the midfielders, is Chris Mueller. Let that sink in, because he would be the best fit at right wingback. If, if, so say, say Kyle Smith goes down, I would even put Chris Mueller at left wingback because he could invert well in attack. So I would play Chris Mueller at left wingback, who on at right wingback, and play at three center backs. Hmm. That sounds really, really uh, interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I am. Um... And I think that maybe Pareja looked at his squad and said, I cannot afford to sell this guy just in case. That's a possibility. Um, I've seen a lot of the three three one three formation this past few years, yeah. and that just sounds a lot like we, I mean, we did that at Leeds. Yeah, we yeah. had Stuart Biel- Dallas. Yeah, yeah Bielsa will do that. He's done it. I watched uh, it. I was yeah. Guardiola I, will do that. He'll put a winger mm-hmm. like a, a an attacking winger at wing back. You know, I, well, I we have like, um, our starting left back at Leeds for 15 games this season in the Premier League was the right winger we signed from Brentford in 2015 for mm-hmm. just under a million pounds. Yeah, uh, I mean it's crazy when you put it 
in um, when you put it down like he did, but when you when you start looking and you think, well, actually, you know, these guys have done it. These guys have, have, have deployed that tactic. And, and so just having Chris Mueller on the ro- roster gives you that option of putting out a, a successful squad makeup that, you know, might be the only one you can do if a certain combination of players go down. Because right now, so Janssen would be the other player that would save you from having to do that, and he's down right now. Mm-hmm. That's true. So if... If Kyle Smith or Juan got a, a muscle strain in training tomorrow, you're, you're looking at Miller wingback. Well, so, that is a valid answer, and it could be something that they looked at. Don't tell it, me that if we sold him, we wouldn't have gotten enough no. money to buy a fullback. I mean, we have enough money to buy a fullback anyway. They're not that expensive. But <laughs> it, it, that being said... I think Chris Miller is just a valuable roster piece. And they, I think the larger point is they saw this year is their, their year that they can go all in and put it up a serious roster to compete. And Chris Miller is a starting attacker on the team flooded with attackers and they really like him and they think he's a really viable player and they want to play him and win some games, especially if they knew that they were potentially moving on from DK. You don't want to sell too many of your premier attackers. Yeah, yes, yes, I get Vanderwater is coming in. Vanderwater came in pretty late. And he wasn't going to be really integrated with the team to start the season. We, When we've seen Vanderwater and his spot appearances, he's been flashy and clear he's got talent. But he's been largely trying to do things on his own because he doesn't have chemistry with the rest of the team yet. So I, I really think... I, I think that we probably got a good bid for him, honestly. I think that Pereja looked at his squad and said, I need Chris Mueller. Asked Chris if it was okay, if he wanted to stay. And uh, it worked out because he doesn't seem unhappy. No. You know, I I think that Oscar Pereira wanted Chris Mueller to stay. And that's the, the most pa- plausible thing that I can come up with. Daniel, what have your thoughts been on Vanderwater? I've really liked him. Yeah, I mean the limited time he's had. He's uh, he looks hungry. He's quick. You know, he's got a little bit of the devil about him, which I like. You know, I like mischievous players. You know, yeah. who who sort of get in the face of the opposition. You know, and he looks to be that type of character. I think um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. You know, get more starts. I think we'll probably see him in the away games a little bit more when we have to counter attack. But I think he's so far i mean from what we've seen he's only gotten like maybe 30 or 40 minutes but he looks good yeah i think one of my favorite things is he finds space really well on the inside and he he really he finds an area where he has separation and that is not an easy thing to do in professional soccer these days get separation from your opponent uh, opposition defense and he, time and time again, pops up with just that little bit of space where he can make an impact. Something Pereira does very well as, as well. Um, so that's something I like about his game. Very technical player. You know, he's got decent speed on him. And I like those chipped through balls. You know, I, I, I like those. Uh, the, he, he likes to put it over the top um, to, to try and get somebody to run onto it. And he's going to get an assist like that and it's going to look so beautiful. Um, probably to Benji, you know, on the left or something like that this season or Nani, Nani as well. He can make that run. 
I was um, just thinking he and Benji are going to play so well together because Benji's so direct mm-hmm. and he can just run off of Vanderwater doing something fancy. And it's going to look so good. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to see him play. I would have liked to see him start this game. Um, Daniel, do you have any issues with in terms of the rotation at all? Um, or, you know, I think I think we could have afforded to have some small rotation. I know it's the third game of the season. We haven't had a one a win yet, but I don't know if I was thinking we could use this game as one to see to get some minutes. Maybe we didn't even need to rotate, but we needed to have earlier subs, in my opinion, to get some minutes into legs of players who we're all looking forward to seeing. And maybe even Pareja would like to see in a, in a game environment for more than 10 minutes. Alvarado. IS are the two I'm looking at. Um, you could talk Vanderwater for a little bit longer. Um, but, you, you know, even Moutinho, you know, that was probably a planned sub, get him on the field, give him some minutes to get back. But I think it's, I think it's a little, a little weird that Benji Michelle's getting on the pitch, a known quantity against a team that we are easily beating. And he's the one that gets on instead of IS or Alvarado, who, to even Pareja, I will say this, is an unknown quantity in terms of on-field in a real game environment um, because he has not seen it in the MLS yet. He barely has. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I can see why, <clears throat> why he probably played the best lineup just to, just to try and establish the rhythm that mm-hmm. the players need to get into. You know, it's, it's, um, at the end of the day, three points against Cincinnati is just as important as three points against Atlanta or, or uh, NYC or whoever else so you've still got to be at the team in front of you and the squad's not being stressed yet like in terms of you know fixture congestion or anything like that so I see why he's gone with the strongest lineup uh, the only thing I would say is that like, you, like you've already said as the game played itself out I mean it was very clear at half time there was just going to be one winner um, unless you have a you know a massive catastrophe on your hands um I would have used those subs a little bit earlier and, and tried to get them in the game, just like you said. But as far as the lineup goes, if that's his best team, then that's his best team. I don't have a problem with that at this juncture of the season. Okay. I mean, yeah, it is very early still. All right, Adam. You are going to get the chance again to give some praise to your man, Sebas Mendez. It's time we go and move into the midfield. How are you feeling about that performance? That's three big performances from him back to back to back. I mean, I don't think any of us, maybe you only saw this coming. How are you feeling about, um, Sebas? So totally prepared for this as I already had some Sebas Mendes stats pulled up courtesy of Gavin Eubank. Um, he compiled these on a tweet that I actually was tagged in by, uh, Charlotte shout out to Charlotte. You're awesome. Um, so, Against Cincinnati, and uh, so I just want to point out first, in all three games that Mendes started this season, he's had over 90% pass accuracy. 90. All three, over 90. That's insane. That is insane control. Okay, so 92 touches, game high. Three tackles, game high. 78 passes, game high. 95% passing accuracy against Cincinnati. A key pass, two interceptions, two clearances. Man was everywhere. 
completely controlling the game, looking fabulous while doing it. Terror on defense. Yeah, he had that bad tackle for yellow card. You know how many fucks I give about that? Zero. I want him to do that every game and miss every fifth game with a yellow card suspension. I want I want opposing teams to be terrified of the Sabos Mendez midfield press to the to the point that they just start going long ball halfway through the second half like Cincinnati did because they don't want to deal with him because they know that the second they try to turn and run, they're just going to get crunched by a tackle. That's what I want for Sabos Mendez. I want him to get a yellow every game because he knows how to manage a yellow. I love him so much. <laughs> That's what I have to say about Sabos Mendez. Obviously, Pereira back was insanely good. Also, he was fabulous as he normally is, pulling all those right strings. Um, and he's Pereira. The thing I love about him, as talented as he is an attacker, he's also really good in the midfield press on defense. I don't. I I, I know we love to give him so much credit because he's honestly our best player. Uh, Nani's having something to say about the that this uh the beginning of the season so far i've been impressed with nani more than i thought i was going to be but um i mean he's just so good and such a great fit especially with how mendez wants to play too and then urso again i think is really good in partnership with mendez he has the calming veteran presence at times he's willing to hustle and run and cover those spots that Mendez is very aggressive and he'll leave a spot uncovered. And Urso has the uh, intelligence and awareness to recognize that and then go run and cover it. So even with Sebas's aggressiveness, we're still covered on the back end because Urso is there. He's so smart about how they work together. So I absolutely love this midfield trio. I would ride it as far as we can this season. As long as it keeps working. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. All right. All right, Daniel, we're going to move on from the the uh, midfield trio. I think like they've had a lot of coverage these last couple of weeks. Um, Pereira because he was out and Mendez and Urso because they've, you know, Mendez obviously because he's been so good and Urso because he's been rock solid. So let's move on to Nani. And I don't I don't want to sound biased here because everyone knows my thoughts on him. I, you Look. This week, he only had one instance where he pissed me off. So I, I think that's a success in my mind because it's it, that's a lot less than it was the last couple of weeks. But he is definitely having an impact on offense this season. And Daniel, I wanted to get your thoughts on how sustainable it is because he scored two very good goals. You know, the, the back heel, which was very calm, coolly taken and then obviously what happened against Cincinnati just freaking put Yuakubo on skates. I mean, that was insane. Put put the ball in the top left corner and or really middle left corner. But yeah, how how sustainable is this performance? Is is he gonna reach 2019 levels where he he is making an impact every single game like he has so far this season? Or do you think it's maybe, you know, just a hot start and which we did see last season, and he may uh he may peter out as the season goes on, as he gets a little more tired. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Nani so far this season, and how do you, how sustainable do you think he is, his performances will be? I think um, his contribution the last two weeks has been good. I mean, no one can deny that. I think that against Cincinnati, he certainly benefited from a pretty inadequate level of pressing and defensive marking, tackling from Cincinnati. Um, like what, I remember your comments about Cincinnati's midfield, and I and I thought you were a little harsh to be fair at them originally, but when I saw the game, I kind of realised you were probably right. Um, 
you know, there was there was very little bite, and he's not going to have that much space. I mean, as wonderful a goal as he had, he in the last game, he he's not going to get that every single week. He's not going to get that easy opportunity to turn and twist and, and pretty much do a ballet dance. You know, it was like Orlando's version of the Nutcracker going on when he was, <laughs> um, you know, dancing around that penalty area. You know, I thought it was going to turn into bloody Tinkerbell and start flying off, but in any way. <laughs> He's got quality. I mean, he's, he's he has quality. You can see that. But he to expect him to to do that all season is is probably not 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 fair. You know, like not not something we should bank on. You know, every player's got to do their bit, and you know, and, and if they do their jobs, then people like Nani will get the space and will get to take advantage of the moments. And he might actually benefit from being in a better team than he was in 2019. Because I think in 2019 he he ran himself into the ground picking up after a number of players around him that weren't picking their you know picking their best form up. So I, I think he'll have a good season. Honestly, I think he'll, we're looking at a hopefully a 15 goal involvement ratio or return. I'm sorry, you know, 10 goals, five assists, or seven goals, eight assists, something like that. You know, that's if he pulls that off, then I think we can be very happy with that, and I think that's doable. Say that number again. Yeah, like a fifteen goal return, like fifteen really? goal involvements. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant fifteen goals scored. Oh no, I don't think. Um, I don't that think would be a... very impressive. It would be. I don't think we have a single player on the roster that's going to put fifteen goals up. I don't think right so. Now. But no. but if you get a bunch of players doing 10, 12, you know, then that makes up for it. Eight, you don't have to yeah. have a. You don't have to have a twenty goal player. It's nice to have one, but. You know, you know, you can't always get that. So, like I said, he's not picking up the slack of other players. He's got better players with him now, and that will help him. You know, produce those moments a bit more often. You know. Yeah. All right, Adam. Now it's your turn to to take a stab at the question. Do you think Nani is going to have a a more sustainable season? Um, do you think that he could possibly have his best season in Orlando City uniform or is he going to peter out? I think that all comes down to how much we use him. So I've been really happy with Nani thus far. I think more than you two. <laughs> yeah, I have to qualify everything about what he does. I mean, he's gotten in good positions. He's been making a few key passes. I think he's good for I know we say a goal involvement as in like an assist or a goal. But I think he's good for a goal involvement in a game as in a much more literal sense of the word, as he'll be involved in the buildup of a goal every single game. And I, the way he's playing right now. And to me, that's really, really productive from him. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what we expect of him. He's not going to be Superman. He's not going to put the team on his back. He shouldn't have to. He shouldn't be asked to. And I think that's an unfair expectation of him. Being That's our great. captain, being our highest, no, 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 being no. our DP, being our highest paid player I think on the it roster. Is unreal- no, no, I think it is unrealistic to expect any one player, let alone a 34-year-old winger known for individual style of play, not very team-oriented play throughout his career, to put a, a playoff team, a team with championship inspirations completely shoulder the creative and productive burden. I think that's unrealistic. Sorry. No, I that's do. not what I'm saying. No, that's what, but that's what seems to be the expectation for Nani. And I think that's bonkers. 
I think that if he can be a productive member of a very, very, very good attack and be involved in some sort of way in a goal per game, which I don't think is that unrealistic. I'm not talking about an assist or a goal. I'm talking about just, you know, be productive part of the the productive passing and build up that leads to a goal every single game then he's done his job even if it's you know taking two defenders on a runoff that lets Tesho be wide open and in one of the channels for for it to happen you know as long as he's doing that and playing his part that allows the system work i don't care what we pay him i don't care you know what we pay anyone else as long as we're winning who cares you know and so yeah i i think it's I think it's totally reasonable that he could get, you know, 15 on paper goal contributions this season in some way, shape or form, especially if he's going to play more than we think he should play. And it's going to be about how Oscar Preha manages his workload. Is he going to sit nine in midweek games? Is he going to sub him out more often than not around 60, 75, you know, um, if we can do that and we can keep his workload very manageable, I think we could have a fresh enough Nani going into the playoffs that he could be a major contributor of a championship team. If he's going to play 90, 95 minutes every single game and, and only like only see it midweeks, then uh, I, I mean, we all, we all know what's going to happen. He's 34 years old. He can't do that anymore. Um, I think it is helpful that some MLS teams play on turf and Nani might not want to play on turf. Unfortunately, that means he's going to miss Atlanta away, but, um, you know, we're going to have to play on turf before he has, but you know, he might not want to anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying opportunities to rest him or you can say, Oh, Nani, you don't want to run 90 minutes on this shitty Atlanta turf, you know? Um, so I'm just thinking it's going to be Nani's ego is really going to be the thing that is going to decide if he's going to do the smart pragmatic thing and, you know, sit every two or three games or, uh, or, or come out early in a, in a few games in a row, or if he's going to try to power through and be Superman the entire season. So, yeah. And I've, I've heard people have some, some backlash over the fact that he didn't come out in this game. But I don't think that's really a problem because players do need to build up fitness. Um, you know, maybe that's part of the reason why we didn't see those early subs because Pareja was trying to build up fitness. But, you know, it, it's kind of you want to look for that balance between getting your starting team, yeah. getting your starting squad, that fitness, that 90 minute fitness that they need versus this is the easiest team you're going to play all season get some players in that you want to see i mean it's I, a very I'm hard balance much more aligned with the second one i mean you know 60 minutes of professional soccer that's no small task it seemed to be good enough for marisa Pereira. right yeah. i think prayer and nani should have came off at the same time you put alvarado on let him get a run out for 30 minutes against bad team maybe you get get a garbage time goal for alvarado you know something that being like said that. it was yeah it, it was the longest off season in mls history though I, I think that's probably why he looks fresh right now. And a fresh Nani is a very dangerous attacker. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's going to be whether or not we can maintain his his freshness levels. Yeah. You know who else is a really dangerous attacker? And I'll I'll move this one over to Daniel because I asked I we, we you and I already talked about this. But Kyle Smith is a really dangerous attacker. He had some he had some really good attacks down that left-hand side. And all I can say, Adam, is 
imagine Cal Smith on his right foot. Just just imagine it. Daniel, say it with me. Cal Smith should be our starting right back. Once once Gerald Moutinho's back, Cal Smith should be starting there. Don't say yeah? it, Daniel. Don't say it. Come on, Daniel. Don't actually, say it. I'm actually more worried about Cal Smith's accounting firm trying to audit me, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Taking all your tax money. <laughs> <laughs> But no, in any in our in seriousness, I mean, <clears throat> he played well. Yeah, he did. He's very good. I mean, what I like about Smith this year is that he's just got so much confidence, and that just comes from being happy. You know, he's happy with where he's at and he's playing well. And I've always been an advocate that you need to play the best players who are on form and deserving of the place. And you know, if I had to pick a lineup tomorrow, Moutinho, I would, probably would pick Smith. Um, I like Owen a lot, but you know, it's I'm looking at a team right now that where you have those percentages and, and things like the delivery of the ball from the wide area, you know, is probably what edges Smith over over one right now, uh, to be honest. You know, I can you know, hear the, the, Adam. They're both very good heavily. defenders. They're, they're both very good players, but they, um, you know, like I just think um, you've got to be fair to players. We had this discussion with. Um, I saw online with Janssen and Schlegel as well. You know, do you just drop Schlegel and bring Janssen in? Well, what does that say to any player of the squad who plays the way into the team? Does it say, it doesn't matter what you do because I'm going to pick my number one guy every time? Unless that number one guy is someone like Mauricio Pereira and, dare I say, Mendes right now, or Galesi, you know, someone who is absolutely irreplaceable with the way they're playing. Mm-hmm. I think everyone else's spot should be up for grabs, to be quite honest with you. And that's how, that's how you build a successful team. Every good team in the past has had, has had competition for places. And that, and that doesn't necessarily mean having like 25 excellent players. It means maybe having like 16, 17 really good players. But 16, 17 that you could put in that team any game and you'll get what you need out of them. And... I think Smith right now is is deserving to stay in the team. I just don't see a justification for dropping him. I, I would like to clarify something. <clears throat> I don't think that Juan should keep his spot because it's Juan's spot. I think that Juan is the better player and gives us the better chance to win in the system. That's fine. No, you know, that's perfectly fine. I mean, I don't think and, there's a... And a, also, I think Schlegel should keep his spot. Yes, he should. Schlegel 100%. should keep his spot. And and there is one reason why. Schlegel got ups. He can yeah. jump. He can jump. <laughs> he can make a he can clear the ball with his head. He no can more jump three inches off the ground. He's, you know, close enough to Janssen as a one on one, you know, on the ground defender that, you know, I mean, he and Carlos are playing so well right now together. And our set piece defense is automatically better because you know both of our center backs that are currently playing can jump. I, I absolutely think Janssen should really have to earn his spot back if he wants it. Yeah, but you were talking about Juan, and I'd like to to hear why you think. Oh, you can I, just I listen guess we to last, last week's week, episode. Yeah. There's no there's no need to go over it. You, if you really want to hear my thoughts on why I think Juan's better than Kyle Smith, listen to last week's episode. I mean, we go through stats, we go through styles of play, we break down you know areas of their game. It's actually a pretty good breakdown, but you know, I don't, I don't see a need to do it again. Fair enough. All right, uh, Daniel, any problem with 
how easy it seemed for, I guess how easy is not the right term, but Cincinnati did get behind our back line three, four times maybe with long balls. Were you annoyed at that? Were you? Did you have a problem with that? Or did you think that was just a symptom of, look, we're pushing high this game. Um, we're trying to to press. We're trying to make sure that they can't get into our half and and nick a lucky goal and and somehow get a result. And they were just playing long ball and got behind us a couple times. Like, what were your thoughts on the fact that they were able to get in behind a couple times and you know almost score a goal or two? I think it just came down to a little bit of complacency. I think and maybe concentration, which. You know, we've seen that in the past that we've a concentration issue. You know, it's it's learning it's still kind of relearning the system and just learning to play for ninety minutes. It's what the players have to do, which again ties into why Oscar probably left his guys out there as long as possible. You know, to learn how to get the ninety minute game out of them and the game management and yeah, you're certainly right. It was a concern to get the um you know, to to give those chances up. I felt that we did drop off a little bit in the second half for about 20 minutes. And that's when yep. Cincinnati was always going to get back in the game, was, was that first 20 minutes of that half. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, that's a game management thing, and that's something that the players will... I'm pretty sure that Oscar sat them all down the day after the game or back in training and told them that, you know, you did this very well, but you need to do this a bit better. So the proof in the pudding, so to speak, is going to come in the next game. We'll see if the players learn from it or not. It's it's something with you know with Cincinnati that for all the flaws in the squad, they do have some decent players in the attacking third, and there was always going to be an opportunity that you know they would certainly make use of those guys at some point. And you know, we as a team, you've just got to learn how to how to manage those moments. And and in the next game, we'll see if they do. You know they they can't do that against um, NYC because NYC might, most likely will punish them. Adam, how do you see that? How do you see the NYC game going? How do you do? You, how do you think we're going to play? Like, what game style do you think we're going to choose? I've been thinking about this, and uh, I think we're going to have to be a little more defensive than uh, than we have uh, certainly than we were last week. But um, I think it's going to be a little bit similar to how we set up against SKC. I would hope that we're a little more aggressive, especially in a midfield press than we were against SKC. And uh, I think uh, Pereira is absolutely going to help with that, playing more aggressive in the midfield, both in possession and on defense. Interesting. uh, um, NYC is going to try to play quick. They're going to try to take a lot of shots rather than necessarily trying to always get the best shot and you know they're going to get their opportunities they're just too talented in attack maxi morales is too good their fullbacks are too good keaton parks and sands they're like it's a very talented squad they're going to get theirs glace is going to have to play a hell of a game that's just going to have to be how it is because they pepper the goal um i think they got like 20 something shots in their last game um it's going to be, it seems like every time we play, we have played this iteration of NYCFC, like in the past two years or so, that um, it's been a little bit of a, a shootout, not necessarily on the score sheet, but in the, the action and the flow of the game. It's going to be, I think, very back and forth. I'm excited. It's going to be, I think, good for a neutral. Yeah. Um, the reason I say interesting is because I think there are two changes that are going to be made to this lineup 
for next game, and I think it's going to be Perea for Pereira and Benji for Mueller. You're crazy. I mean, uh, Benji for Mueller, fine. You want to take Mauricio Pereira off? I'm not saying I want to, but I th- I think it might happen. I think he's going to... No way. I think he's going to be... um, What's the word? Pragmatic. He's going to want to make sure that mm-hmm. we don't concede. He's going to use that pressing type player that the way he the way he uses Perea is a pressing 10, uh, pressing 810 um, defensive wise to yeah, break but... up play in the midfield. And no matter how good Mendez and Urso are, NYCFC can pass around them. If, if they you, can, if you want to take a midfielder off, it take off Urso for Perea and have Perea's young legs be be more of a pressing midfielder there rather than Urso trying to cover more. I could see that. I think that, uh, I think Pereja knows that they're going to need to be efficient with their chances because NYCFC is going to have some possession. So they're going to need to be more efficient with their chances and be more killer. And you know, well, you're, you share the more, game it, well, 60 minutes Perea, 55 minutes Perea and get Pereira on for the last 35. Uh, I would, I would, I would start Pereira. Uh, it, it's he's just too important to our offense, and and if we can get you know one or two killer balls in there early, and and we slot it away and take control of the game, I think that the chance of that is much more beneficial than trying to be super pag- pragmatic with Andres. I personally wouldn't mind either way. I'm perfectly fine with Mauricio Pereira starting. I'm not saying I want it to happen, but I can definitely see that happening. Daniel, do you think per- that's a possibility or um and then also do you think nani starts the game i think nani will start and i actually i tend to think he's going to play both um i don't think we'll see a change from the lineup against cincinnati to be honest i think it'll be the same 11 really i think so only because i think he'll want to win the game i think he's gonna he's gonna try and just go for the juggler so to speak and 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 try and attack it you know it's New York, I mean, they're, they're very good, but they um, he's going to be thinking he can beat them and he's going to want to see if his players can do it. So I'll put my prediction that he'll just go with the best team. I don't think he can justifiably drop someone or or change it for another home game. If it was a, if we were playing away from home, I think your changes would be exactly what you'd do. Like if we were going up, <clears throat> up there to play away from home, mm-hmm. you'd see the... You know, with a six and two eights and playing a little more tight, a bit more defensive. But I think with it being a home game, I think he's going to attack it, if my honest opinion. Okay. Um. Well, do either of you have anything else to say on, on the Cincinnati game? I mean, I feel like it's a hard game to take massive sweeping conclusions from just because of how poor Cincinnati were. Um, but hey, you know, we kind of did that tonight. So <laughs> it is what yeah. it is. Here's a thing, though. There have been times in the past where we've thought that Orlando City was going to you know, take the next step and become a true contender and you know beat beat the bad teams. We're like, oh, we're playing Colorado. We should beat them. And then we like draw or like lose one nil, something like that. Yeah, and we said last we said on the pod last week we were talking we should destroy Cincinnati, and we did. <laughs> you know, so. It's good to see that they're meeting that benchmark that good teams should meet. That when when you're a lion and the the lamb gets thrown into your cage, that lamb's not going to last very long. That being said, 
Yes, we did beat up on the bad team for for once. We did that. We did all right. What we're expected to do. This team is not built right. They have a DP forward playing central defensive midfield because Yap Stom doesn't know what he's doing. You know, the the just oh, the coach doesn't know what he's doing. The 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 uh the system doesn't work at all. And we got very lucky to play them when we did. Yes, I agree. This is probably the worst. uh, When we play Cincinnati again later this season, they they won't be as bad. Do we get to play them later? I think we play every single team in the East twice. Yeah, okay. So when we get to play Cincinnati later in the season, they will not be as bad as they were today. That being said, we have seen Orlando City teams in the past play other teams that we thought were really bad coming off a massive defeat, look super disorganized. And what do we do? We disappoint. We didn't disappoint, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. Anything else from you, Daniel? No, nothing from me. Um, like I say, it was a strange game to assess. It felt kind of half like a friendly, to be honest. You know, we just... We put our two goals in and then just kind of quit. Yeah. Playing. We just kind of tried to build up play and let kept them at arm's length. Yeah, they just like... You know, they took the foot off the gas just a little bit, and you know, and then Cincinnati kind of had an experimental lineup. I mean, I saw they brought off, um, they brought on, sorry, uh, Stanko and Medjian in off the bench, and I was thinking, like, uh, I was wondering why they didn't start. To be honest with you, you know, they were certainly being probably better midfield options than what they put out there to begin with. But it was a strange, a strange game, really. It's it's nice to win and three points, a clean sheet, and all of that. It's good, but it just feels like uh, like maybe a little bit of like a false positive, and and they're going to be tested a lot more, I think, this next game. Yeah, definitely, definitely, we will be. All right, that should just about do it. Please don't hesitate to let us know your thoughts on our thoughts on the Cincinnati game and the upcoming NYCFC game. Don't forget to leave a five star review. Do the survey link in the description. And Daniel, where can our listeners find you at? Uh, Bookitman1982 on Twitter. Good stuff. Adam? You can find me at Kosher Taco Truck on Twitter and Instagram. And at Cappy's like four days a week. Good stuff. Thanks, guys, for talking to me for about an hour here. Um, And as always, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Chance!